Before we get started, we have a quick question. Does your school have a good mentoring program for new teachers? Does it support administrators who run the program, train and support mentors in how to best help new teachers, and support new teachers by answering their questions and helping them to meet their biggest challenges? We've mentored many new teachers and we've had lots of conversations with the new teachers crying in their cars after school. That's why we created the New Teacher Navigator. We have everything that your school needs to run a successful mentoring program. It's online and very affordable. If you or someone in your school or district is interested, check out our program at inspiredtogetherlearning.com or send us an email and we'll follow up. We'd love to help you support the next generation of teachers. The future of education depends on it. And now we hope you enjoyed today's episode. What would happen if you were to live your life as the truest version of yourself, the version of yourself that you like best? We're all on a journey of self-awareness, whether you realize it or not. According to Joseph Campbell, the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. In this episode, we are exploring the power of being yourself. Welcome to season two of the Inspired Together Teachers podcast. We're Paula and Michelle, award-winning educators who've worked with thousands of teachers, and we know the struggles you face on a daily basis. Do you want to make a difference and still enjoy your life outside of school? Together, we can tackle the overwhelm, gain clarity, and build confidence to live the life you deserve. Are you ready to be inspired? We can't wait to explore ways to improve your work life and home life so that you can live your best life. We've been talking about a lot of topics that empower us to grow in positive ways. We've had podcasts on the power of building a positive support system, the power of being more confident, of real self-care, creativity, and the power to design your life. Today, we're focusing on the power of being your true self. Caroline McHugh, a speaker who trains Fortune 500 companies, politicians, world-class athletes, global economists, and artists to embrace their unique selves, says, when you figure out how to be yourself, it is an incredibly liberating way to go through life. She has recorded one of our favorite TED Talks, The Art of Being Yourself. We'll link to that in today's show notes. McHugh says that most of us sleepwalk through our lives. That usually works until something catastrophic happens that wakes us up and forces us to take a different path. Rather than take that path when we are at our lowest points, why not do this work when we are stronger and in a better place? McHugh says, with each passing year, our job is to be better and better at who we really are. How can you apply this philosophy to your own life? The answer is to learn more about yourself and apply that knowledge in service of the person you are when you are the happiest and most fulfilled. The question is, how can you learn more about yourself? One suggestion is to think of your eight-year-old self. McHugh says that when you are a child, you know how to be yourself. Think of yourself as an eight-year-old before society started to change you by telling you who you should be. What were you like? What were your interests? What did you like to do? What skills and talents did you use or start to develop? When you were an eight-year-old, what made you happy? 
This is a great place, Michelle, for you and I to share a few examples. I was thinking about this, and it's really hard to think back to your eight-year-old self and not put your current expectations of yourself onto that eight-year-old self. What I was doing as an eight-year-old is I was reading I was spending time with people I loved. My best friend and I were on our bike, pushing our boundaries. Where could we drive in the town? We would read all day, go to the library and trade in the books we read for more books. That six blocks to the library was a huge traveling adventure. I loved learning. I was an eight-year-old who loved school. And not only did I love learning, my love for teaching developed right around eight. I was that kid that stayed after school and begged the teacher for all those weekly readers. They were those little paper packets with pictures and little stories. I would collect all the extras that didn't get passed out. And I would walk to the babysitters after school with my backpack full of weekly readers. I would teach all of the kids at the babysitter's house. I was the teacher. I lined them up. I'm not even sure I could read everything that was in the weekly readers very well, but I absolutely loved doing that. Who I was as an eight-year-old, I was a learner and a teacher. I loved on my people. I loved to spend time with them. I was a dreamer. Honestly, I was a traveler on my little bike. A lot of those words still describe me, but I think society may have changed the way that they played out a little bit in my life. Wow. Paula and I did not discuss this, our stories of our eight-year-old selves before we recorded this podcast. I am astounded at how closely my eight-year-old self aligns with Paula's eight-year-old self. Had we known each other when we were eight, Paula, we would have been friends. Probably why we're such good friends now. (laughs) My story is very similar. I was just a voracious reader. When I was eight, that was the year I read all the Nancy Drew books, every single one of them in order, as soon as I could get them at the library. My adventure, too, was walking down to the library and checking out all the books. I love to do that. I also was a world traveler on my bicycle when I was eight. My friends or my siblings, we had the run of our little town and we rode our bikes everywhere. It was fun. And I loved the freedom of exploring on a bicycle. I know this is going to sound like we are totally geeking out, but I also was all about playing school with the neighborhood kids when I was about eight. My mother had bought a set of antique desks, the old timey ones that were hooked to each other. They were in our basement on a rainy day. I would round up all the kids in the neighborhood and some of them were even older than I was. And we would go down in the basement and play school. Guess who was the teacher? (laughs) That would be me. And I think that's probably true of a lot of teachers. You know what I love about this discussion about Paula and I here? is that we look at who we were when we were eight, and it's pretty close to who we are today. We are readers, learners, teachers. In the immediate years after that, we probably got away from some of those things, but we found our way back to the things that we love most and that are most important to us. And that's the lesson here. So think about that eight-year-old self. Are you still that person? Or have you drifted very far away from who you were when you were eight? And what does your eight-year-old self tell you about who you are at your core? Think about that. 
Unfortunately, the world has a way of telling us who we should be. That might come from a label you were given as a child, the smart one, the pretty one, the talkative one, the quiet one, the athletic one. There are lots and lots of labels. They might even not be true, but somebody put that label on you. There's also that societal pressure to be and to do like other people. It usually starts around middle school and grabs a hold of us when we are vulnerable as we try and figure out who we are. We learn that revealing our true selves might be risky, that if we don't fit in, we won't be accepted. So it often just seems easier to conform, fit in, and refight a little bit of that true self. However, that comes at a price. It can affect your self-esteem, confidence, and limit your potential. Another way to get back in touch with who you really are is to understand your gifts and talents. If you're going to be more of who you are, you need to understand what makes you special. What are your strengths? What are your talents and gifts? One of the saddest things I've discovered in doing workshops is that many people, especially women, immediately say that they don't have any gifts or talents. Why is that such a thing? I think that we don't always see our gifts and talents because to us, they're as natural as breathing. Or maybe our families did not have the experience or the skills to recognize talents in us. Schools don't always foster the innate gifts of children. We like children who conform in schools, unfortunately. We think that our gifts aren't useful in a job sometimes, so we ignore them. Or we don't understand that there are many, many ways to be gifted and special, many things that might be unique about you. We often think of talents and gifts in a way that's just too narrow. There are hundreds and thousands of gifts that you might have that you may not recognize as a strength or a gift. Here are just a few. Are you a visionary to have confidence, make people laugh? Are you loving, intellectually curious, a storyteller? Do you listen? Are you fair, diplomatic, or consistent? How about self-management? That's a gift you might not be thinking about. Dexterity, being persuasive. Maybe you're social media savvy or intuitive. You're potentially an achiever, or maybe you're organized, creative, or you are a trendsetter. Being a problem solver is a gift, as is being motivational, reliable, adaptable, analytical, or positive. Are you focused, empathetic, futuristic? Do you connect with people? How's your time management? Are you imaginative or a harmonizer? Are you joyous? All of those are gifts and talents that you may not be thinking of if you're thinking of gifts and talents in a way that's too narrow. If you look at your skills and stretch them out, where could they lead you? For example, you said time management. I'm willing to bet most people wouldn't go around saying, I am gifted in time management. No one ever says that. But there are people who are time management geniuses, and it really truly is a gift. What if that was your special gift? Think about how many people in the world, including teachers, need amazing time management. That's just one example of someone not perhaps recognizing what is a skill and how valuable it could be. You may also have used many tools to learn about yourself, strength finders, the Enneagram, True Colors, Myers-Briggs, the DISC, the MMPI. There are many, many tools. 
little known fact, Paula and I are both certified Enneagram trainers. We haven't done any episodes on Enneagram because we haven't figured out quite how to do that in the short time period that we have, but we'll be working on something with our Enneagram training at some point for sure, because we think it would be really helpful for teachers. We're talking about an Enneagram retreat for teachers. So if you're listening to this and think, I want to go on an Enneagram retreat for teachers, either you want to learn more about it or you love the Enneagram and want to see how it can apply in your teaching, drop us an email, give us a DM. We'd love to know what is your interest in an Enneagram retreat? It is right at the forefront of our thoughts at the moment. We love the Enneagram because it's such a good tool to learn about yourself and understand your gifts and to learn about other people and understand the gifts that they bring. And we love that optimistic approach. Enough about the Enneagram for today. Keep that thought. A few ways to learn about yourself. Analyze your jobs. What have you loved about the jobs that you've had? Or what have you disliked about the jobs that you've had? That can be very telling. Here's one I love. Ask 10 friends to tell you your best traits and skills. I had to do that as part of a coaching program one time, and I had to text 10 friends and say, what are my gifts and strengths? I was terrified to do it because I thought, oh, they're all going to think I'm really strange and this is a really odd request. But within 10 minutes, my inbox, my message box was full of the 10 people. Every one of them answered me. Every one of them said things. It made me cry. I'm like, they really see me. They know what my gifts and strengths are. I loved that activity. Highly recommend that if you think you don't have any gifts and talents, text 10 friends and have them tell you what your best strengths and gifts are. Or another idea is to follow the joy. What is your fun? Your fun doesn't have to be what everyone else's fun is. What do you love? What you love is often what you are gifted at. And look for the patterns in your life. What kinds of things come up over and over and over? That can be a clue. How you use your gifts and talents is in service of your life. We are all on a journey and it's easier when you're being your most authentic self. Let's consider your hero journey. Many popular books and movies follow what is known as the journey motif. Dr. Joseph Campbell identifies it as the hero saga. Think of classics like the Harry Potter series, The Wizard of Oz, Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones movies, or the Star Wars sagas. And these stories, our hero often starts out alone, not feeling completely fulfilled, perhaps, but life is fine. Fine. Paula, that word fine. We talked about the word fine in the very first episode of this podcast when we talked about the inspired life. The word fine is a sign that you are comfortable, but in order to grow, you might need to take a step outside of your comfort zone. If you really want to live an inspired life, fine is okay, fine is comfortable, fine is easy, but it's just fine. So let's go back to our hero story. Our hero, who is not a hero yet, is called to some adventure. There is a task that must be completed, such as finding the way home through unfamiliar places, stopping someone from doing an evil deed, or saving the planet. The hero resists, but eventually accepts the call. Think about what is calling you. What adventure is in your world? What are you being asked to do that is exciting and that fills that need? What would you do if you could only figure out a way to do it? In the hero saga, the hero then meets a guide, a friend, or a mentor who helps them navigate the new and uncertain terrain. 
Think of Professor Dumbledore, the Good Witch, Gandalf, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Along the way, the hero meets many challenges and faces enemies. Sometimes it seems that it would just be easier to quit, but our heroes persist. They must face those dragons, overcome them, and if they do, then they will find what it is that they're seeking. The journey is often transformational in the absolute best ways. We've talked about the power of supportive community many, many times on this podcast. Who's there to support you in your journey? We're happy to be a part of your supportive community as your mentors, your guides, your friends. Think about who in your community is supporting you. In a graduation address to Spelman College, Howard Thurman said, there is something in every one of you that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. It is the only true guide you will ever have. And if you cannot hear it, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that someone else pulls. We are all unique and magnificent human beings. Unfortunately, we don't always see it or acknowledge it. Sometimes you'll catch a glimmer of it. You sense a specialness in yourself. And I know it really seems hard to say that about yourself, but I know you've all felt that. There's a longing for something, but you're not exactly sure what it is. Maybe a feeling that something is missing. This is the call to the journey. If you are brave enough to accept it and willing to deal with the challenges along the way, you might return home transformed. We challenge you to listen to your own calling, that inner voice that's telling you that there is something more and better, that you can do important things, or that there is something you can give to the world that is still yet inside of you. That vision can become a reality, and it starts when you understand and embrace the power of being yourself. To recap, you have talents and gifts that make you special and unique. When you use your gifts to live as the version of yourself that you like best, you will be open to a journey that offers something challenging yet worthwhile, which can result in life-changing, positive transformation. In true teacher fashion, we always end our podcast with homework. Our homework for you today is to make a list of your strengths and your talents. We know this can be very difficult. This may be some of the most difficult homework we've given because it's very hard to sit down and list your strengths and your talents. But we encourage you to do that and then determine ways that you can use these strengths and talents in your own journey. We won't be collecting your homework, but we'd love to hear how it's going. So feel free to message us through our social media, send us an email or connect with us through our website, firetogetherteachers.com. If you are looking for some personal transformation and would like some help, head over to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com and grab our free gift, The Inspired Teacher's Guide to Taking Back Your Life. That's all for today. Class dismissed. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us on Instagram and Facebook at Inspired Together Teachers or head over to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com for more podcast episodes, our award-winning blog, and free guides to help you be your best. Until next time, may you be inspired in your work life and home life to live your best life.